The Chicago Blackhawks continue to rack up losses as they've now dropped 10 of their last 11 games going into tonight's matchup with the Jets. And on today's episode, I'll be breaking down Wednesday's loss to the Philadelphia Flyers, plus Scott Wheeler and Bob McKenzie's current top 10 players in the 2024 NHL Draft. And I'll also get into a quick update on Lucas Reichel and the Rockford Ice Hogs as they begin to creep towards the Calder Cup playoffs. All that and plenty more right here on Locked On Blackhawks. Your Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everyone? Welcome on into another episode of Locked On Blackhawks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can go and give me a follow on X at Jack Bushman too. And make sure to also go and follow my Strictly Blackhawks account at Talk and Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And to everyone out there who's watching this on YouTube, just a quick reminder to please go and show some support real quick by smashing the like button, commenting down below, and subscribing for Celebrini. That's the new motto we got going on around here. And if you're a regular audio listener of the podcast, Podcast. Make sure you're constantly downloading all of those latest episodes. Go and rate and review it, the show as well. It won't cost you anything. It's 100% free and really does help me out tremendously. And I got to let you know as well that today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel, the best place to bet on the NBA. Sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to start earning bonus bets with America's number one sports book. All right, good morning, everyone. Again, thank you all for joining me on another episode of Lockdown Blackhawks, your one-stop shop for all things Chicago Blackhawks. Another episode, another loss to be breaking down here on the pod. As I mentioned during my intro, following their 3-1 to defeat to the Philadelphia Flyers on Wednesday night, the Blackhawks have now dropped 10 of their last 11 games. And I'll tell you what, Blackhawks fans, all this losing, it is really starting to catch up with me. Your boy is down bad. Watching this Blackhawks team is just starting to take a toll. All these losses are really racking up. They've won 15 of just 57 games this year. And at the very least, going into this season, I expected the Blackhawks, yes, to be better, but I still thought they were going to be a bottom 10 team in the NHL. But given the additions they made in the offseason, adding Nick Felino and Taylor Hall, bringing back... Uh, Andreas Athanasiu obviously implementing Connor Bedard in the lineup. I thought at the very least this Blackhawks team uh, would be more entertaining to watch if they would be losing games a lot. I thought they'd at least be doing it in high-scoring fashion, and considering their defense was looking pretty young, I figured that would be the biggest issues with the team. But now there have been issues all over the place for the Blackhawks, and another one-goal performance here on Wednesday against the Flyers. Uh, and I think the biggest difference in terms of What I noticed between these two teams, the Flyers were absolutely the better squad in this matchup. They were the team that possessed the puck more, especially in the opening 40 minutes. But the real big difference to me that stood out was was the mentality that the Flyers brought to the table early and often, which was trying to get the puck on net as much as possible. I don't know if 
That's been their game plan all season long. If that's the style of play that they just bring to the table. Um, or if it was because they noticed Arvid Soderbloom was getting the nod in net for the Blackhawks. And not only has he not played very well this season, but also hasn't played all that frequently as of late. So I'm not sure if that impacted it or what, but it was very clear right from the opening faceoff. The Flyers uh, were trying to get the puck on net as much as possible. And it feels like that's a mantra that the Blackhawks really should be trying to implement in their own game. And it's been an issue for them through 57 games this season. So I'm not sure if it's exactly going to get fixed here on the fly, but yeah, it was just a huge discrepancy in the way these two teams played. And the Flyers in that first period had 16 shots on goal. And that was with the Blackhawks defenseman tallying nine block shots. That's how um, apparent it was that the Flyers were trying to get the puck on cage as much as possible. They had 37 shot attempts in the opening 20 minutes. So yeah, that was kind of their mentality all night long was to test Arvid Soderbloom as much as possible. And that's actually what led to their opening goal of the game was just a seemingly harmless wrist shot from the point by Travis Sanheim. Looks like it's going a few feet wide, but ends up deflecting off of Hawks defenseman Alex Lassick and beating Soderbloom. And as Eddie Olchek has said, throughout his broadcasting career up in the booth. Good things happen when you get the puck on net. And the Blackhawks, I feel like, just don't nearly carry that mentality uh, as much as they should this season. They did get a goal in that first period by Colin Blackwell, an absolute beauty to tie up the game, a wicked curl and drag maneuver to uh, pull the puck past a sliding dream. Jamie Drysdale who's trying to break up that two-on-one. A beautiful goal by Blackwell, his fourth of the season, snapped his uh, 10-game point drought and 16-game goal is skid. But yeah, that was all the Blackhawks offense was able to muster up and weren't able to get a goal in the final 40 minutes. And I think part of that was because they just weren't getting the puck on net whenever it was possible. And the huge turning point in this game to me, Blackhawks fans, came in that second period when Anthony Beauvillier, the game's tied up one-to-one. He's skating down the right side, going into the offensive zone on a two-on-one with the puck on his stick. He's a you know a good goal scorer. That's probably been the best offensive attribute of his throughout his career. But what does he end up doing? Tries to force the pass over to his teammate. It gets deflected. The Blackhawks get nothing out of that two-on-one. And then literally just moments later, Travis Konechny gets the puck, goes coast to coast, and leaves Jared Tenorti in the dust in transition and houses a shot over the glove over Arvid Soderbloom. That winds up being the game-winning goal. That was the difference in the game. And I just thought the Blackhawks, they had opportunities going through the neutral zone with some speed. They had some odd man rushes, but weren't able to take advantage of as many of them as they needed to come back in this one. And yeah, I thought that example by Bovillier was really uh, the turning point in this game. Garnett Hathaway went on to add another rebound goal. um, There to pad the Flyers lead to three to one going into the third, probably, um, the only blemish of the night, in my opinion, at least, for Arvid Soderblom and his rebound control has kind of been his Achilles heel all season long. But other than that, I don't think you can blame him for either of the Flyers opening two goals. And in total, he ended up stopping 30 of the 33 shots that he faced. So progress is being made by Soderblom. He's still you know, not clearly at Mrazic's level, but is making strides in the right direction compared to uh, how much he was struggling there in the months of December and January in particular. So nice to see him at least have a competitive start for the Blackhawks, but not a whole lot of highlights the rest of the way. Other than I do have to be sure to bring this up on the podcast, Blackhawks fans, but Blackwell's goal was the, was the number one highlight of the night. Number two, though, undoubtedly was the maneuver 
Connor Bedard pulled off in a one-on-one sequence with Nick Sealer, Blackhawks legend Nick Sealer, by the way. I don't know if you all remember him and his time here in Chicago. Spent a had a quick cup of coffee here with the Blackhawks, if you will. But um, what a creative move here by Connor Bedard, you know, and. The fact that he's willing to try these things in game situations is what I absolutely love about him. There's no backing down. He doesn't play with any fear in terms of uh, being scared of the opponent or being scared to go out there and try a a new maneuver because he has that confidence in himself and that belief that he can actually go out there and pull it off. And in the midst of him deking, trying to get some open ice to get a shot off against Sealer, he goes and whacks his stick to knock it out of the way and give himself a little bit more space out there. There was some some people uh, debating on X whether he did that on purpose or if he did that on accident. He absolutely did that on purpose. If you know Connor Bedard and his hockey IQ, that was definitely intentional. And then that allows him to go and put the puck in between his legs and get a backhanded opportunity off on the Flyers netminder. Didn't end up finding the back of the net, but those highlight reel moments like that from Bedard are basically the reasons I'm still tuning in to watch this Blackhawks team with 25 games left in the season. Uh, the Blackhawks weren't able to come back in the third, but at least we got to see that highlight by Connor Bedard. But that takes us into tonight's game against the Winnipeg Jets, the fourth and final meeting between these two teams this season. Second time they're meeting at the United Center, and if you all remember correctly, uh, the last time they met at the UC, Connor Bedard took matters into his own hands in overtime, walked right down Broadway, and housed a shot over the glove of goaltender Connor Hellebuck to give the Blackhawks the 2-1 to win in overtime. The other two meetings in Winnipeg, the Jets have come out on top this season. And this is a team the Blackhawks have also struggled against over the last handful of years. So would be really nice to go and see them put together a solid performance on home ice this evening and go in uh, even up the season, season series against Winnipeg with two wins in their own building. As far as the lineup for the Blackhawks, looks like it's going to be the exact same as uh, Wednesday against the Philadelphia Flyers. Boris Kachuk still going to be an extra. Um, and then on the back end, Louis Crevier is still recovering from uh, taking a shot up to the, f- excuse me, bad timing for the hiccup. <laughs> uh, Louis Crevier is still recovering from the shot that he took to the face in practice a couple of days ago. So Isaac Phillips is going to be back in on the third defensive pairing. And then Peter Morazic will be in between the pipes for the Blackhawks tonight. All right. There are my thoughts uh, on the Blackhawks 10th loss in their last 11 games after falling to the Flyers three to one on Wednesday coming up in just a moment. Blackhawks fans don't go anywhere because I'm about to get into Bob McKenzie and Scott Wheeler's current top 10 players in the 2024 NHL draft. But first, I got to talk to you all about FanDuel. Go and get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. Yes, you heard me correctly. That's $150 worth of bonus bets if your $5 outright bet wins. And you can use these bonus bets to bet on everything from your favorite players to your favorite teams, quick bets, live same game parlays, exclusive player props, and much, much more. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. And the NBA is taking over here now that football season has wrapped up. So it's a perfect time to go and place a wager down on LeBron James, Luka Doncic, Joel Embiid, and some of the other top players in the NBA. And if you go and sign up today and use the promo uh, and visit, excuse me, 
FanDuel.com slash lockdown. You can start earning bonus bets with America's number one sports book. Again, that's FanDuel.com slash lockdown. FanDuel, an official partner of the NBA. Segment two, carrying over from last episode where I broke down Corey Pronman and Scott Wheeler's current top 10 players in the 2024 NHL draft. I'm going to be getting into Bob McKenzie and, uh, or it was Corey Pronman and Chris Peters. I'm going to be getting into Bob McKenzie and Scott Wheeler's top 10 here today as we're starting to inch closer towards the 2024 NHL draft. We know the Blackhawks are going to be in the mix for the Macklin Celebrini sweepstakes and getting the best odds in the 2024 NHL draft lottery. So I figure, you know, with not a whole lot to play for, for the Blackhawks down the stretch, it doesn't even sound like they're going to be all that involved in the uh, trade deadline this season. So nothing really all that exciting happening for the Blackhawks other than what Connor Bedard is going to be doing on a gamely basis. So I figure I'm really going to start ramping things up here in terms of coverage for the 2024 NHL draft, getting a little bit more familiar with some of these top prospects. Uh, I'll have a mock draft probably come out closer to April, I imagine. It's going to take me some time to get familiar with all these guys who are projected to go in the first round and right around the first round as well. Um, But I am going to be diving into it here a little bit more with this being the situation the Blackhawks are in. And if you didn't check out the last episode where I got into Corey Pronman and um, Chris Peters' top 10, make sure to go and check that out so you have somewhat of a reference point and a comparison as to uh, what Bob McKenzie and Scott Wheeler have today. So without any further ado, let's go ahead and jump right into it. As I kind of already spoiled on the last episode, Macklin Celebrini comes in at number one for all four of these guys. But what really makes this year's draft interesting is after Celebrini goes number one, it's up in the air. We don't know who's going two, three, four, five. The rest of the top 10 really isn't set in stone whatsoever. And I'm really curious to see how this is all going to work out. And after I get better acclimated with all of these prospects, how I'm going to have my uh, top 10 kind of sorted in terms of that. So it's a really interesting year for the NHL draft, but a lot of opportunity for the Blackhawks. If they don't get the number one overall pick, um, Still a lot of intriguing prospects out there, and it'll be very interesting to see what direction they wind up going, regardless of what pick they end up at. But number one for Bob McKenzie, Macklin Celebrini, not surprising here. Coming in at number two, the second time he's coming at number two, and that's Anton Silayev, the six foot seven left-handed defenseman that's already playing pro over in the KHL. I believe he's now played 60 games in the K so far this season, so... A lofty experience for him at a young age playing pro hockey. Artem Levshunov, the right-handed defenseman, looks like he could be the first RHD off of the board potentially and someone I'm sure the Blackhawks are heavily looking into considering I believe they're going to be trying to add a right-handed defenseman with one of their two first-round selections in this year's draft. So Artem Levshunov is definitely a prospect I'm going to be looking into heavily here leading up to the draft. Coming in at number four for Bob McKenzie is Cole Iserman, and we saw Cole down at number eight and number nine for Corey Pronman and Chris Peters, guy who was widely considered to be the number two prospect in this draft entering the season. Uh, Looks like there have been some opinions that have changed on him. And again, no position set in stone for him. He could go in the top five. He could go closer to number 10. Bob McKenzie has Iserman coming in at number four. Caden Lindstrom then comes in at number five. Uh, And it feels like for the most part, 
Caden Lindstrom is widely considered to go somewhere from three to five with his big body and his offensive abilities, a true power forward type of mold these days. So Lindstrom comes in at number five for Bob McKenzie. Number six is Ivan Demidov, the special speedster and, um, Another player who's getting an opportunity right here, right now. He was playing in the MHL for most of the season, but looks like he's about to start getting KHL action too. Demidov has been as high as number three and number four on some folks' lists. Number six here for Bob McKenzie. Sam Dickinson comes in at number seven. He's been through, been right around number six through eight for uh, all of these guys, so not surprised to see him come in at seven here. Consta Hellenus, who is someone that was outside of the top ten, um, for, I want to say it was, um, Corey Pronman had him outside of his top 10. He comes in at number eight for Bob McKenzie played for Finland in the world juniors. Didn't have the best tournament there, but is also already playing pro hockey at a young age over in Finland's Liga and is nearly a point per game over there. Zane Parekh, who is putting up special numbers as a right-handed defenseman, 27 goals already this season in the CHL comes in at number nine for Bob McKenzie and then Berkeley Catton for the Spokane Chiefs, uh, another offense, high-octane offensive player comes in at number 10 for Bob McKenzie. And then getting into Scott Wheeler, Macklin Celebrini, number one. Artem Levshunov comes in at number two. Cole Iserman, interestingly, is number three for Scott Wheeler. Ivan Demidov, like I said, some people are higher on him than others. Number four here for Scott Wheeler. Number five is Anton Silayev. Six is Zane Parekh, who, look, he and Carter Yakumchuk, I think, are going to be in the mix to be the number one overall right-handed defenseman taken off of the board. Parekh, number six here for Scott Wheeler. Zeev Bweem, the first time he's in the top ten, uh, according to these four draft prospects, and I really believe with his skill set, he could be a top ten selection in this year's draft. A dynamite performance at the World Juniors to help the USA win the gold. He's been excellent for Denver as a freshman. Uh, I really wish the Blackhawks could be using a left-handed defenseman because I'm absolutely in love with Zeev Bweem's game. I just don't see him being on their radar, unfortunately. But he enters the top 10 for the first time here at number 7 for Scott Wheeler. Number 8 is Sam Dickinson. 9, Berkeley Catton. And 10, Consta Hellenist. Interestingly enough for Scott Wheeler, he is the only one that does not have Caden Lindstrom ranked inside his top 10. But taking all four of these draft analysts, I think they are widely considered to be uh, the top four in the NHL in terms of this department. Uh, very highly respected. You can go and find all of their draft coverage on social media as well as we begin to get closer. I think you're all going to want to hear what they have to say. But the aggregate in terms of taking all four of their rankings and seeing where these players average out as, of course, Macklin Celebrini comes in at number one. But coming in at number two is Artem Levshunov. Number three, Anton Silayev. Number four and number five are actually tied between Ivan Demidov and Caden Lindstrom. Six is Cole Iserman. Seven is Sam Dickinson. Eight's Berkeley Catton. Nine is Zane Parekh. Ten is Carter Yakumchuk. Eleventh is Consta Hellenus. And twelve is Zeev Bweem. All right, there are the top 10 players in the 2024 NHL draft can, can, um, according to uh, the top four prospect analysts in the NHL. Coming up in just a moment here, I still have to get into an update on Lucas Reichel in the Rockford Icehawks following a 3-1 win over the Iowa Wild on Wednesday night. 
But first, I got to talk to you all about Game Time. You shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets to the next big event, and Game Time is both the fastest and the easiest way for you to purchase tickets to all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. Use Game Time so you can take away the stress of purchasing tickets before entering to the game. I personally have used Game Time for probably over 10 years now at this point in time when I was back in high school and used to go on down to the UC with my buddies to watch Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, and all those great Blackhawks legends play. And I still use it to this day, whether I'm going down to the UC to watch Connor Bedard play or going to Wrigley Field to watch the Cubs play during the summer, or even if I'm traveling in another city and want to go watch a comedy event with one of my buddies or want to go out and see a concert. Game time is always the fastest, easiest, and cheapest way for you to purchase all of your tickets. Plus, I love how they send you images of the seats before you purchase the tickets so you know exactly what you're getting and what you can expect upon arrival. I highly recommend you all go and download the Game Time app right now. And when you do, create an account and use the promo code LOCKDOWNNHL in all caps to get $20 off with your first purchase. Yes, you can go and get $20 off to come and see Connor Bedard play at the UC before the end of the season. All you have to do, download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the promo code LOCKDOWNNHL in all caps. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed, Game Time. Back here on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're still tuned into this point of today's episode, let me first just say thank you very much. And if you haven't done so already, do me a quick favor. If you're watching on YouTube, go and hit that like button, comment down below, and subscribe for Celebrini. If you're listening on an audio podcast and you like what you're hearing, you're a consistent listener to the show, go and rate and review, preferably, like I said earlier, with the five-star rating. Those are always great. And I also got to let you know that today's episode, or not today, excuse Excuse me. I also got to let you know to go and check out the new Lockdown Sports today because Lockdown has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. And Lockdown Sports today is here for you 24-7 covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Lockdown plus our national shows covering every league. So go to Lockdown Sports today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Segment three, not only is that time of the year to uh, start taking a look at the bottom of the NHL standings, the odds for the 2024 NHL draft lottery and everything, but we're also creeping towards the Calder Cup playoffs as well down in the AHL. And on Wednesday night, Lucas Reichel played in his second game with the Ice Hogs since being reassigned. His first one um, was kind of a quick turnaround. He got reassigned last weekend on Sunday. The Ice Hogs had a game in Iowa against the Wild on Monday night. Considering it was kind of a quick turnaround for him, and I'm sure a a tough tough thing for him to deal with, and um, just handling all the emotions that quickly was going to be rather difficult. I honestly didn't expect all that much out of Lucas Reichel in his uh, first game with the Ice Hogs this season, but, you know, as games start to rack up here, you do want to start him being productive and you can't use him getting demoted as an excuse for far too long. And in this game against the wild on Wednesday night, not only did the ice hogs bounce back for a much needed three to one victory, but we also saw Lucas Reichel get on the stat sheet. Um, not only for the first time in Rockford this season, but for the first time in general in quite a while as he ended up with a secondary assist while adding three shots on goal and a plus one rating in the Hogs 3-1 to win. Uh, 
uh, a nice passing play uh, to get it over to Josh Maniscalco after entering the offensive zone with some speed, a tic-tac-goal type of passing play capped off by Mike Hardman in front for a second goal. In as many games against the Wild, that wound up being the game winner and the difference in this game for the Ice Hogs in their 3-1 to victory. Uh, Iowa did manage to get a goal in the third period to make things interesting, but Jalen Lipen went on to add the empty netter, and Jackson Stauber stood tall in that, stopping 23 of the 24 shots that he faced tonight. Shout out to Stobbs for uh, scoring a goal and recording a shutout in the same game a couple of weeks ago. I think it was actually last weekend for Rockford. Uh, Good to see him playing well in net here as of late. And good to see Lucas Reichel wind up on the stat sheet. And based on what we've heard from head coach Luke Richardson, it does sound like there's the potential for Lucas Reichel to get called back up here rather soon if he does go and make the most out of his uh, time down in Rockford right now. It sounds like there is a pretty clear path for him to get back in the NHL with the Blackhawks before the season comes to a close. So hopefully this this is the start of him going on a rather nice stretch here with Rockford. And they could sure use his help down there in the AHL because offensively it has been a tough year all in all for the Ice Hogs. Um, they've been without Luke Philp because of a torn Achilles for a majority of the season. Obviously, Reichel goes up full-time in the NHL. Until this point, he had been one of their leading scorers each of the last two seasons. And we've seen a dip from both Brett Sini and David Gust, who have uh, kind of been the head honchos, if you will, for the Ice Hogs down there the last couple of seasons. Brett Sini is still their leading scorer, but as a point-per-game guy last year, he's down to 34 points in 46 games this season, 14 goals and 20 assists. David Gust has also taken a little bit of a dip in terms of production with 34 points in 43 games. He's also currently in concussion protocol, so uh, getting Reichel will help them a little bit in that department. This is how you know the Ice Hogs are struggling offensively, and I don't mean this as a knock. It's been a good year for the guy, but Mike Hardman is the third leading scorer for Rockford with 16 goals and 10 assists, 26 points in 42 games. And then Ethan Del Mastro comes in next at number four. And look, it's been awesome seeing Ethan kind of uh, follow the footsteps of Alex Vlasic, if you will, and round out his offensive game a little bit more in Rockford before it looks like he could be potentially making the leap to the NHL level next season at some point. It's been nice to see his offense develop a little bit further. And that's been something that's kind of been happening the last three to four years for him, but him as the fourth leading scorer for the Ice Hogs is certainly not ideal with 26 points in 48 games, six goals and 20 assists. Anders Bjork comes in at number five with 24 points in 34 games. And then Colton Dock is sixth with 17 points, eight goals and nine assists, but only in 28 games of action this season. And that's continuously a problem with Colton Dock. The guy is so injury plagued, man. He just cannot catch a break. Really, ever since two years ago, prospect development camp, when he suffered that concussion, suffered another concussion with Kelowna uh, before he got traded to the Seattle Thunderbirds, had that wrist injury at the World Juniors. And then this year, um, I forget the player's name, but um, was on the wrong end of a dirty play by uh, another player in the AHL. I can't remember his name, but that forced him into concussion protocol for a little bit. And as of right now, he's out one to two weeks with a left hip strain. So Colton Dock just is having such a hard time to stay healthy. And you got to wonder how that's going to impact his chances of making it to the NHL. It seems like he's obviously going to get time with the Blackhawks at some point, but man, it's been such a battle for him to stay healthy and uh, hopefully he'll get back on the ice soon because 
when he has been healthy, he's been a very productive player with the Ice Hogs so far this season. But yeah, you can see why Lucas Reichel going down there uh, might not be the worst thing in the world because he could help them out offensively as they're trying to make a push for the Calder Cup playoffs right now. The Ice Hogs currently sit in fourth in the Central Division standings. And for those of you who aren't familiar with how uh, the regular season works in the AHL and how many teams make it to the playoffs, there aren't 82 games in the AHL season. There's only 72. And the Ice Hogs. Uh, have played, what is that now? I believe they played 48 games, so they only have uh, 24 left on their schedule at this point in time, just like the Blackhawks, creeping towards the end of the season here a little bit. And um, as far as how the playoffs work in the AHL, five teams will be making it from the Central Division, but the bottom two, I believe, will be playing in a best-of-three play-in series in order to play the three-seed in the first round of the playoffs. And the Ice Hogs have been in play-in games each of the last two years, and like I said, they currently sit in fourth in the Central Division, so um, looks like if they don't get a boost here late, they could be playing in a play-in game for the third consecutive year. But getting into the standings, just a little bit of a breakdown of where everyone is at. The Milwaukee Admirals are running away with the Central. They're 35-10-1-0 with 71 points on the season. 17 points better than the second-place team, Grand Rapids Griffins, who are 23-15-5-3 with 54 points. And I know they've been on a hot streak here as of late to... Um, kind of separate themselves a little bit more from the Ice Hogs. The Texas Stars come in at number three, one point back of the Grand Rapids Griffins, 24-18-3-2 record with 53 points. And the Ice Hogs come in at number four, they're 20-21-5-2 for 47 points. They're eight points ahead of the fifth seed Iowa Wild, though, who are 18-28-1-2 with 39 points. The Chicago Wolves are actually tied with them. They also have 39 points with a 17-5-3-2 record. Then the man. Toba Moose round things out with 38 points with an 18-27 one in one record. So the Ice Hogs are pretty securely in a spot to make the Calder Cup playoffs, but they definitely want to be improving their position in the standings in these final 24 games. So they don't have to play in a play-in game for the third consecutive year. Would be nice to also have a little bit of home ice advantage in the first round for the first time. So they're currently six points back of the Texas Stars for the three seed seven points back of the Grand Rapids Griffins for the two seeds. So maybe getting Lucas Reichel can help them go on a little bit of a run here at the end of the season and gain some ground in the Central Division standings with only 24 games left to go in the season. All right, Blackhawks fans, that's going to wrap up today's episode of Locked On Blackhawks. As always, thank you all again for tuning into the show and be sure to go and follow Locked On Blackhawks for free right now wherever you may be listening to your podcast and to go and subscribe to the Lockdown Blackhawks YouTube channel. And that way you can get the latest episode as soon as it becomes available each and every day. As always, I'm your host, Jack Bushman. Go and give me a follow on X at Jack Bushman too. And make sure to also go and check out my strictly Blackhawks account at Talk and Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. So until the next episode, everyone out there, enjoy your weekend. That's going to do it here for the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.